Chapter thirty six of The Sword of Damocles by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Morning. Two maidens by one fountain's joyous brink, and one was sad, and one had cause for sadness. Cicely Stuyvesant, waiting for her father at the foot of the stairs, on the morning after these occurrences, was a pretty and a touching spectacle. She had not slept very well the night before, and her brow showed signs of trouble, and so did her trembling lips. She held in her hand a letter, which she twirled about with very unsteady fingers. The morning was bright, but she did not seem to observe it. The air was fresh, but it did not seem to invigorate her. A rose-leaf of care lay on the tremulous waters of her soul, and her sensitive nature thrilled under it. "'Why does he not come?' she whispered, looking again at the letter's inscription. It was in Mr. Sylvester's handwriting, and ought not to have occasioned her any uneasiness. But her father had intimated a wish the night before that she should not come down into the parlour if Bertram called, and—her thoughts paused there, but she was anxious about the letter— and wished her father would hasten. Let us look at the little lady. She had been so bright and lovesome yesterday at this time. Never a maiden in all this great city of ours had shown a sweeter or more ethereal smile. At once radiant and reserved, she flashed on the eye and trembled from the grasp like some dainty tropical creature as yet unused to our stranger clime. Her father had surveyed her with satisfaction, and her lover, oh, that we were all young again to experience that leap of the heart with which youth meets and recognises the sweet perfections of the woman it adores. But a mist had obscured the radiance of her aspect, and she looks very sad as she stands in her father's hall this morning, leaning her cheek against the banister, and thinking of the night when, three years ago, she lingered in that very spot, and watched the form of the young musician go by her, and disappear in the darkness of the night, as she then thought, for ever. Joy had come to her by such slow steps, and after such long waiting. Hope had burst upon her so brilliantly, and with such a speedy promise of culmination, she thrilled as she thought how short a time ago it was since she leaned upon Bertram's arm and dropped her eyes before his gaze. The appearance of her father at length aroused her. Flushing slightly, she held the letter towards him. "'A letter for you, papa. I thought you might like to read it before you went out.' Mr. Stuyvesant, who for an hour or more had been frowning over his morning paper with a steady pertinacity that left more than the usual amount of wrinkles upon his brow, started at the wistful tone of this announcement from his daughter's lips, and taking the letter from her hand, stepped into the parlour to peruse it. It was, as the handwriting declared, from Mr. Sylvester, and ran thus. Dear Mr. Stuyvesant, I have heard of your loss, and am astounded. Though the bank is not liable for any accident to trusts of this nature, both Bertram and myself are determined to make every effort possible 
to detect and punish the man who either through our negligence or by means of the opportunities afforded him under our present system of management has been able to commit this robbery upon your effects we therefore request that you will meet us at the bank this morning at as early an hour as practicable there to assist us in making such inquiries and instituting such measures as may be considered necessary to the immediate attainment of the object desired respectfully yours edward sylvester is it anything serious asked his daughter coming into the parlour and looking up into his face with a strange wistfulness he could not fail to remark mr stuyvesant gave her a quick glance shook his head with some nervousness and hastily pocketed the epistle business mumbled he business and ignoring the sigh that escaped her lips began to make his preparations for going at once downtown he was always an awkward man at such matters and it was her habit to afford him what assistance she could this she now did lending her hand to help him on with his overcoat rising on tiptoe to tie his muffler and bending her bright head to see that his galoshes were properly fastened her charming face with its far-away look shining strangely sweet in the dim hall in contrast with his severe and antiquated countenance he watched her carefully but with seeming indifference till all was done and he stood ready to depart then in an awkward enough way he was not accustomed to bestow endearments drew her to him and kissed her on the forehead after which he turned about and departed without a word to season or explain this unwanted manifestation of tenderness a kiss was an unusual occurrence in that confiding but undemonstrative household and the little maiden trembled something is wrong she murmured half to herself half to the dim vista of the lonely parlour where but a night or so ago had stood the beloved form of him who bury the thought as she would had become if indeed he had not always been the beginning and the ending of all her maidenly dreams what what and her young heart swelled painfully as she realized like many a woman before her that whatever might be her doubts fears anguish or suspense nothing remained for her but silence and a tedious waiting for others to recognize her misery and speak meanwhile how was it with her dearest friend and confidant paula the morning as i have already declared was bright and exceptionally beautiful sunshine filled the air and freshness invigorated the breeze cicely was blind to it all but as paula looked from her window preparatory to going below a close observer might have perceived that the serenity of the cloudless sky was reflected in her beaming eyes that peace brooded above her soul and ruled her tender spirit she had held a long conversation with miss belinda she had prayed she had slept and she had risen with a confirmed love in her heart for the man who was at once the admiration of her eyes and the wellspring of her deepest thoughts and wildest longings i will show him so plainly 
what the angels have told me whispered she that he will have no need to ask and she wound her long locks into the coil that she knew he best liked and fixed a rose at her throat and so with a smile on her lip went softly downstairs oh the timid eager step of maidenhood when drawing toward the shrine of all it adores could those halls and lofty corridors have whispered their secret what a story they would have told of beating heart and tremulous glance eager longings and maidenly shrinkings as the lovely form swaying with a thousand hopes and fears glided from landing to landing carrying with it love and joy and peace and trust as she neared the bronze image that had always awakened such vague feelings of repugnance on her part and found its terrors gone and its smile assuring she realized that her breast held nothing but faith in him who may have sinned in his youth but who had repented in his manhood and now stood clear and noble in her eyes the assurance was too sweet the flood of feeling too overwhelming with a quick glance around her she stopped and flung her arms about the hitherto repellent bronze pressing her young breast against the cold metal with a fervour that ought to have hallowed its sensuous mould for ever then she hurried down her first glance into the dining-room brought her a disappointment mr sylvester had already breakfasted and gone only aunt belinda sat at the table with a slightly troubled brow paula advanced to her own place at the board mr sylvester has urgent business on hand to-day quoth her aunt i met him going out just as i came down her look lingered on paula as she said this and if it had not been for the servants she would doubtless have given utterance to some further expression on the matter for she had been greatly struck by mr sylvester's appearance and the sad firm almost lofty expression of his eye as it met hers in their hurried conversation he is a very busy man returned paula simply and was silent struck by some secret dread she could not have explained suddenly she rose she had found an envelope beneath her plate addressed to herself it was bulky and evidently contained a key hastening behind the curtains of the window she opened it the key was to that secret study of his at the top of the house which no one but himself had ever been seen to enter and the words that enwrapped it were these if i send you no word to the contrary and if i do not come back by seven o'clock this evening go to the room of which this is the key open my desk and read what i have prepared for your eyes e s end of chapter 36